The circle is cast, the candles lit, the spell is spoken, and Mother Moon is watching all that we say and do. For the next short passage of time, you are in an enchanted place called the Witching Hour. Hi, my name is Elle. And my name is Bill. And, and this, this is, is The Witching, Witching Hour, January 2019. So, here we are in a brand new year. My eyes are healing nicely, and Bill has been given a pretty good bill of health. So we are finally back in the swing of things. With any luck, we'll try to produce a witching hour for our fans several times a year, so let's get started. Now, I suppose almost everyone knows that pagans celebrate two New Years, one at Samhain and the one we just celebrated. The one almost everybody in the world celebrates with a jiggle of dates here and there. Um, when I was re- researching a few things about the 2019 New Year, it says that it is the year of the pig. Not a very glamorous image for a new year, however, I did notice that many advertisers and graphics gurus tried very hard to put lipstick on their images to make all manner of pigs cute. Not really sure how lucky pigs are, but I am sure someone out there will fill me in. In the meantime, William and I would be very interested in knowing how you passed your old year and what your plans are for your new year. Right now, Bill will fill you in on a few things we experienced in our new year. My guess is pigs aren't really lucky considering how popular ham and pork barbecue are in the South. But anyway, our new year started with the holiday fun at Samhain at the end of October. Yeah, that was great. We had rituals, partying, and an energetic rendition of songs from Hocus Pocus, if you remember that movie. From there, we sailed into Thanksgiving the Harvest Celebration with a sit-down dinner for 12 people. Oh, God, that was wonderful. Yule was close behind with a timely ritual, festive foods, and friends, and a lively gift exchange. Over 20 revelers saw in the holiday Okay, wait a minute. Nobody brought me the BMW. I was not pleased about that. Nobody brought her the BMW. <laughs> happens. Over, <laughs> over 20 revelers saw in the holiday season... And then out-of-town guests filled our house for a Merry Christmas with another dozen for a Christmas Day dinner. Yeah, that was great. Then we rang in the New Year with a few close friends and finished the festivities with another lively group for the traditional New Year's dinner. Which was yummy. Sorry you missed it. (laughs) Now we have a brand New Year to fill up and a few less large meals to fill up with, if you know what I mean. So hang on and enjoy the good times to come. Okay, so tonight's topic is... For the new year is a hot one. A friend posted this on our Ancient Path uh, Covenstead page. And we took a a look at it and some of the comments and decided this was a podcast worthy of our listeners. It will also give you an idea of of the way other people see us, and especially ones who have written a long article on it, and um, their impressions. I don't know if you'll like them or hate them, or like some or hate some. Uh, Anyway... um, So, so I want to see what you think. We don't necessarily agree with all the salient points the author brings forth in his piece, but it is very thought-provoking, and we are hoping that we will get some feedback from our listeners on this one. Speaking of which, we will be using our feedback um, we get from our listeners uh, from each podcast on the following podcast. So be sure and use a name you don't mind being used on The Witching Hour uh, when we read your 
comments. The, now, the title of this article is, In America, a Post-Christian Paganism is Struggling to Emerge. Okay, I thought we've been struggling for several years, but apparently Mr. Dudat, who wrote the article, and he's a columnist from the New York Times, um, he has other ideas, so we're willing to listen to them. Okay, Bill, take it away. So he starts it by saying that there are some, here are some generally agreed upon facts about religious trends in the United States. Institutional Christianity has weakened drastically since the 1960s. Mm, maybe. Lots of people who once would have been lukewarm Christmas and Easter church goers now identify as having no religion or being spiritual but not religious. The mainline Protestant establishment is an establishment no more. Religious belief and practice now polarize our politics in a way they didn't a few generations back. So he says, what kind of general religious reality should be discerned from all these facts, though, is much more uncertain. And there are various plausible stories about what early 21st century Americans increasingly believe. The simplest of these is the secularization story, in which modern societies inevitably put away religious ideas as they advance in wealth and science and reason, and the decline of institutional religion is just a predictable feature of a general late modern turn away from supernatural belief, um, saying that religion is basically only for the well-to-do people and the uh, poor people are all, are all believe in ghosts and ghoulies or something like yeah, that. I don't know. Uh, whatever. But he continues, the secularization... Which is perfectly okay, but go ahead. He continued, the secularization narrative is insufficient because even with America's churches in decline, the religious impulse has hardly disappeared. That's true. In the early 2000s, over 40% of Americans answered with an emphatic yes when Gallup asked them if a profound religious experience or awakening had redirected their lives. That number had doubled since the 1960s when institutional religion was more vigorous. A recent Pew survey on secularization likewise found increases in the share of Americans who have regular feelings of spiritual peace and well-being, and the resilience of religious impulses and rhetoric in contemporary political movements, even or especially on the officially secular left, is an obvious feature of our politics. Okay, I didn't know that we had a official secular left, but I did know that all religion, depending on whose it is, seems to be seeping into politics. Or vice versa. Or vice versa, absolutely. Okay, so um, he goes on to say, so perhaps instead of secularization, it makes sense to talk about the fragmentation and personal as I and person personalization of Christianity. This man is in love with T-I-O-N. To describe America as a nation of Christian heretics, if you will, in which traditional churches have been supplanted by self-help gurus and spiritual political entrepreneurs. These figures cobble together pieces of the old orthodoxies, take out the inconvenient bits, and pitch them to mass audiences that want part of the old-time religion, but nothing too unsettling or challenging or aesthetic. And the he says the, re the result is a nation where Protestant awakenings have given way to post-Protestant, okay, this is a good one, wokeness. 
W-O-K-E-N-E-S-S, I swear it, where Reinhold Niebuhr and Fulton Sheen have seated, and only a few people are going to know who the hell those people are because they're old and dead, I think, um, have seated pulpits to Joel Osteen, who's very much alive, and Oprah Winfrey, who's very much alive and probably horrified that her name was used in this article, where the prosperity gospel and Christian nationalism rule the right and a social gospel denuded of theological content rules the left. In other words, the physical pulpit has now become television. Looks like. He says he wrote a book about this, uh, he wrote a book on this theme, but in the years since it came out that he's wondered if it, if it was incomplete. And he says there has to be, there has to come a point at which a heresy becomes simply post-Christian. A moment when you just believe people who claim they're, they have left the biblical and word, the biblical world picture behind and um, a context where the new spiritualities add up to a new religion. Which is why he says he became interested in books and arguments that suggest there actually is or might be a genuinely post-Christian future for America and that the term paganism might reasonably be revived to describe the new American religion currently struggling to be born. When, when, here you go, Mrs. America, you have a bouncing baby religion. Oh, yeah, right. I think, though, that we've had a bouncing religion of paganism for actually a couple of thousand years here and there. But um, the deal is, is that... A fascinating version, he says, of this argument is put forward by Stephen D. Smith, a law professor at the University of San Diego, in his new book, Pagans and Christians in the City. Why does that amuse me? I don't know. But anyway, Culture Wars, and this is the second part of the title, Culture Wars from the Tiber to the Potomac. Okay, Smith argues that much of what we understand as the march of secularism is something of an illusion, and that behind the scenes what's actually happening in the modern culture war is the return of a pagan religious conception, which was half buried, though never fully so, by the rise of Christianity. That part is true, except that we've been emerging much longer than this guy thinks we have. Yeah, and the Christians took all our stuff. Now, don't be hard on them, darling. Yes, dear. We have Christian friends. Remember that. Okay, so he asks, what is that conception? Simply this, that divinity is fundamentally inside the world rather than outside it. The God or the gods, or being, are ultimately part of nature rather than an external creator. And that meaning and morality and metaphysical experience are to be sought in a fuller communion with the immanent world rather than a leap toward the transcendent. Okay, uh, first of all, honey, I'm going to spell eminent so that everybody kind of gets an idea of what this means. The, the word that this man is using, and it is a word, E, uh, excuse me, I-M-M-A-N-E-N-T. Explain what that means. It means it's an adjective, meaning that uh, it's part of or additional to what's going on in the world. It, it doesn't mean that it's coming soon. Thank you, honey. Um, keep going, sweetie. And uh, this paganism, he continues, is not materialistic or atheistic. I didn't know paganism was ever atheistic, but 
Anyway, it allows for belief in spiritual and supernatural realities. It even accepts the possibility of an afterlife. But it is deliberately agnostic about final things, what awaits beyond the shores of this world. And it is skeptical of the idea that there exists some ascetic, world-denying moral standard to which we should aspire. Instead, it sees the purpose of religion and spirituality as more therapeutic, a means of seeking harmony with nature and happiness in the everyday. While unlike atheism, it insists that this everyday is divinely endowed and shaped, meaningful and not random, a place where we can truly hope to be at home, a warm and fuzzy blanket we can wrap around us and not worry about anything that happens. You know what's really funny? I, I thought that's what we, what all religions tried to do was produce harmony and a feeling of well-being and, uh, oh well, <laughs> this is very strange, we keep going. In other words, he's inventing religious whoobies. Okay. In popular religious practice, there isn't always a clean line between this imminent religion and the transcendent alternative offered by Christianity and Judaism. But clearly, religious cultures can tend toward one option or the other. And you can build a plausible case for a pagan, quote-unquote, by Smith's definition, tradition in Western and American religion, which in his account takes two major forms. First, there is a tradition of intellectual and aesthetic pantheism that includes figures like Spinoza, Nietzsche, Emerson, and Whitman, and that's manifest in certain highbrow spiritual but not religious writers today. Smith recruits Sam Harris, Barbara Ehrenreich, and even Ronald Dworkin to this club. He notes that we even have an explicit framing of this tradition as paganism in former Yale Law School Dean Anthony Kronman's rich 2016 work, Confessions of a Born-Again Pagan. Okay, I haven't seen that on any bookcase, but maybe it's because I wasn't looking. But I really would like to see it, and I would like to read it. Sign up here, get your pagan books, get your ID card, and uh, become a card-carrying member of the pagans in the United States. Okay. <laughs> Second, there is a civic religion, like the civic paganism of old, that makes religious and political duties identical and treats the city of man as the city of God, or the gods, a place where we make heaven ourselves, which I do believe in, uh, instead of waiting for the next life or the apocalypse, which I absolutely re uh, deny. I just can't stand the idea of waiting for life or waiting for an apocalypse. However, I do not think that people who do believe that shouldn't if they want to. This eminent civic religion, Smith argues, is gradually replacing the more biblical form of civil religion that stamped American history down to the Protestant Catholic Jew 1950s. Whether the social justice theology of contemporary progressive politics or the transhumanist projects of Silicon Valley, we are watching attempts to revive a religion of this world, a new, mod a new model paganism, to reclaim the city that Christianity wrested away from it centuries ago. Okay, here we go. These descriptions are debatable, but suppose Smith is right. Is the combination of intellectual pantheism and a this-world-focused civil religion enough to declare the rebirth of paganism as a faith unto itself. 
rather than just a cultural tendency within a still Christian order. Oh, that just is the saddest thing I've ever heard. We have to ask permission to be pagan. I guess, but haven't we always? Mm. It seems to me that the answer is not quite, because this new religion would lack a clear cultic aspect, a set of popular devotions, a practice of ritual and prayer of the kind that the paganism of antiquity offered, and still does, um, in abundance. And that absence points to the essential weakness of a purely intellectualized pantheism. It invites its adherence to commune with a universe that offers suffering and misery in abundance, which means that it has a strong appeal to the privileged but a much weaker appeal to people who need not only a sense of wonder from their spiritual lives, but also help. However, there are forms of modern paganism that do promise this help, that do offer ritual and observance, augury and prayer, that do promise in some form gods or spirits really might exist and really might offer succor or help if appropriately invoked. He says he has in mind the countless New Age practices that promise health and well-being and good fortune, the psychics and mediums who promise communication with the spirit world, and also the world of explicit neo-paganism, Wiccan and otherwise. Okay, I don't know why this man just continues to write something that sounds really good and really wonderful and then completely screws it over. Okay, Uh, it's adherence, he says, it's adherence may not all be equally convinced of the realities that they're trying to appeal to and manipulate. And he says that he doesn't know how many of the witches, I thought this was really weird. He says he doesn't know how many of the witches who publicly hexed Brett Kavanaugh, I didn't even know that that had happened, but I think it's very interesting, really expected it to work. But their numbers are growing rapidly And there may be soon more witches in the United States than members of the United Church of Christ. I'm going to try not to say anything bad here because I have respect for my Christian friends, but it is a temptation. Okay. He must must have friends that have stock in New Age bookstores. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. So, he continues, What ancient paganism did successfully was to unite this kind of popular supernaturalism with its own forms of highbrow pantheism and civil religiosity. Hmm. Thus, the elites of ancient Rome might reject the myths about their pantheon of deities as just crude stories, but they would join enthusiastically in public rituals that assumed that gods or spirits could be appealed to, propitiated, honored, and worshipped. Okay. Okay. Is he trying to make it up? Make up for saying what sounded like to me of, you know, maybe we would come to a time when uh, uh, pagans would just think of our stories and our legends and our myths and everything is just crude stories? Or is he trying to say that they would join enthusiastically in public rituals that assume that the gods and spirits could be appealed to, appropriated, honored, and worshipped? Any excuse for a party, I guess. Yeah, go ahead, sweetheart. So he continues that to get a fully revived paganism in contemporary America, that's what would have to happen again. The philosophers of pantheism and civil religion would need to build a religious bridge to the New Agers, again, and Neo-Pagans. Again. 
and together they would need to create a more fully realized cult I hate that of word. the imminent divine and actual way to worship, not just to appreciate the pantheistic order they discern. Hmm. He, he says it seems like we're some distance from that happening, from the intellectuals whom Smith described as pagan actually donning druidic robes, oh God. or from Jeff Bezos playing Pontifex Maximus for a post-Christian civic cult. I wonder why he had to add that, but okay. The Pope of Modern Economy. <laughs> anyway, the 1970s, when a D.C. establishment figure like Sally Quinn was hexing her enemies, never heard of her, were a high-water mark for those kinds of experiments among elites. Now, occasional experiments in woke, rich, woke witchcraft and astrology notwithstanding, there's a more elite embarrassment about the popular side of post-Christian spirituality. I'm glad, he says... <laughs> That that embarrassment may not last forever. Perhaps a prophet of a new harmonized paganism is waiting in the wings. Until then, those of us who will still believe in a divine that made the universe rather than just pervading it, and who have a certain fear of what more imminent spirits have to offer us, should be able to recognize the outlines of a possible successor to our world picture, while taking comfort that it is not yet fully formed. Wow, okay. I feel relieved. Do you feel relieved? <laughs> I, I, it, it's really funny. It's obvious that this, that Mr. Duda is a very bright man, but I, I just question his research on this, and I'm, I'm questioning the fact that he doesn't know that we're not only out here, but we have been out here for quite a long while. I mean, long before he was born, and that's for sure. I'm talking about, you know, we're, we're talking about in the United States of America. And I'm surprised he doesn't know how fully formed we actually are. My feeling is that instead of interviewing and quoting authors who obviously studied religion for their thesis to graduate college or just felt like putting words on paper, he should have gone to the nuts and bolts of the pagan religion and spoken to some high priests and high priestesses and actually got a feel for what pagans are feeling and doing today. I think he should have, too, and I think he would have found out that we're a little bit further along than maybe those very erudite and um, uh, famous and wonderful people like Nietzsche and all that. I mean, it's really nice name-dropping that into any article. I mean, I'd be proud to do so, but not on this subject. Well, he's, he's, he's like expecting the pagans to be sitting around waiting for a prophet to come like uh, a pagan Muhammad or a pagan Christ or something like that, and... Uh, the prophet that we're looking for isn't necessarily a physical being, but the awakening of the religion inside of us, not something that we can see from outside. Well, at least for ancient path, uh, which is our tradition, um, ancient path is waiting for nobody, and ancient path believes that everything that we are and everything that we can be is within us. Um, and, of course, we love Mother, we worship Mother, and... She's our deity. Well, we'd love to have some feedback from all you out there that listen to this uh, article and listen to our comments. And maybe you think we're off base. Let us know. I mean, that's what we're here for. Uh, maybe you agree with some things that he said. Maybe you agree with some things we said. But uh, we don't know if you don't tell us. That's right. Okay, that's a wrap. And here we go. Sweetie, it's time to blow out the candles, pack our herbs, close our book of spells, Bold our tents, but before we go, we'd really like to hear from you. We'd like to we'd like to know what you'd like to hear from us on the show and how often. 
We'd also like to hear from you if you are involved in the pagan community or a pagan community and have something you'd like to share with the listening audience, uh, whether it's in our area or your area. If you live in our area, it's even possible that you could come and do a guest spot with us on The Witching Hour. Contact us through the website, thewitchinghour.com. We'd also like to thank the team of magicians who helped put this show together. So, Rob, take it away. Tell them what you're up to, how to find you, and give us your opinion of whether you think pigs are lucky or not. Thanks, guys. And uh, I like pigs with the right kind of barbecue sauce, which is probably not a good omen for the year. But, like Elle said... Contact us through the website, thewitchinghour.com, or just shoot us an email at l at thewitchinghour.com. We try to make things easy. Anyway, Ellen Bill will be back before you know it, so subscribe to the show, and we'll see you soon. <laughs>